0: JB, it's time for a new feature on our show. We're gonna send it down to Skeeta Jenkins for a report from the sideline.
1: Two receivers to the right, two to the left. They Thomas in the backfield with Kyle King on They're second down again. and seven. They'll give it to Alfonso, trying to get to the near side edge. He'll get there and he'll go to the 45 46 yard line. They're blitzing every three play. man front right now. And linebackers drop off. And guys, this is what I'm talking about sustain, sustain. First and, and it, ten for the Crusaders. Two receivers. to The 50-yard line by Jocko Watson. They're going for it. They're going for it. Just hit the it. slot back or the back out. And they bring in the house With again. 9:09 to go. Looking right Holden. now, he'll throw the drag. And it's intercepted at the 30-yard line. Trying to find some extra yardage there. He just needs to do a little bit of a better job protecting the football. Take it. Looks right. Throws right. Has a receiver. Goes down. Does he make the catch? Oh, hit the ground. The ball hit they're the ground. They're kind of looking at each other to the see if he made it. And they're going to call it a catch. Oh, and it'll be enough. Whoa. We got the win now, so throws a ball. No, he throws it to the near side, looking for the screen. Hold it. Weaving his way and then picked up by Jerry yeah. Day. And two receivers to the right, two to the left. We need to throw it. Kenneth Cormier in the backfield. Key. Takes the snap. Drops back, looking. Throws it, down deep. It, has a receiver it, clearing, it, and it's got it, got caught got it. at the 20. All down day. to the 15 yard line goes Jamal Hamilton, the senior out of Duncanville. 30, 41 yards a and a crew first down inside the red zone. And we have to keep throwing the ball downfield. We have mismatches. I believe this is the year. Here's where the quarterback worst, runs. Yeah,
2: we're starting field position for Bethel.
1: Rosty will turn and give it to Gabe. trying Hold to get him. to the edge, to the near oh side, gets goodness. out. He'll get the, no, he fakes the handoff, throws the screen Hold to the far him. side, trying to weave his way down the side. Stadium, UMHB 14 and Bethel all day, 14. All day, all Crusader day. Crusader football continues in one minute. On
2: We could beat them downfield all day. We could beat them downfield all day.
1: Rosty will look right throw right and it, it is himself. almost intercepted. Uh, Duran Hill had a chance at it. Just so it will be third down and 3 coming up.
2: Hey guys, uh coach just told me someone sitting next to y'all, uh they could hear him over y'all on the radio. They need to be quiet. They sent some Two inappropriate stuff to the far on the, side, moving on the, to the mic. On the right
1: side.
0: Okay, um. That didn't go as well as I had hoped.
3: Actually, it went better than I hoped in some ways. <laughs> oh, my God. That was amazing. I know you were going to be the sideline guy at the Stag Bowl, Frank, but Skeeta is, might be the, the next best sideline guy in the nation. I was loving his commentary and bleeding through <laughs> the UMHB Bethel game. Oh, my gosh. Holden. Quarterback <laughs> keeper. Now, okay, for those that don't know
0: nationally that may be watching that game, Skeeta Jenkins is an alum. Uh, he's a, you know, a very important uh, alum in their uh, whole fold of sports over there. And uh, he's an actor, actually. Uh, he's done a lot of uh, parts. Uh, you can look him up on uh, IMDb, I think, in, among other things. Okay. So th- th- this cool. man's got a-, a lot behind him going. And this year, I when I was actually at Trinity, I saw him as a sideline reporter for what I assume was the their broadcast of audio broadcast, probably in that day. And I'm like, that's an interesting role for him. And then I heard all this, uh, you know, stuff going on on Saturday when I was up in North Central. People are like, "What's this about? Some kind of problem on the broadcast at UMHB?" <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know what to expect when I got home and got the chance to actually thanks to the folks at UMHB for providing the video. We're not using it to mock you. We've yep. got crunch time coming up. But it was, um, it was different. I'm sure I didn't catch all those uh, pieces, uh, and I've heard different things I, I couldn't find necessarily, so we'll just assume that we got some of the best stuff. But uh, Skeeta is passionate. He's a very positive, motivating force out there. He knows holding when he sees it. That's clear. Um, So, yeah. But, uh, Skeeta, we love you, man. And I hope you get to see this. And uh, your UMHB crew are going up to Naperville. uh, And they're going to have a cold day and a tough day, no uh, doubt. But will they win or lose? We'll talk about it in this show. JB, guess what? It's season 15 of In the Huddle. Okay, JB, uh, in this episode, we're going to crunch things together with Crunch Time and some previews as well. We're going to talk about our Tale of the Tape, which we do at the semifinals oh, yeah. every year and Stag Bowl. To we talk do. about the matchup, and uh, or the matchups in this case, that we'll be facing on Saturday. <clears throat> I will not be traveling this weekend. Pat Coleman will be at North Central with the short turnaround time and everything between uh, this and Stag Bowl and yeah. producing the pregame show and everything. This is when I take my day off. So game 22 of 2022 for me will be in Annapolis, Maryland next week. We did
3: it, wow, unbelievable.
0: Uh, I, I don't even want to think about what we've been through here. Sparkle Mayor will make an <laughs> appearance there uh, this coming week.
3: Ooh, Sparkle Mayor, you got a promotion, I like that.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, technically I did. But uh, we'll have more about that as well on social media coming up next week because it's time to raise some money for cancer. And uh, our Trenton Duper show uh, from a week ago is still uh, getting shared around uh, throughout Alabama right now, pretty much. Uh, And we we assume that somebody Mm -hmm. found it from his Decatur high school area, and his family may have uh, promoted it too. And uh, the clip that we had taken out has been viewed, I think, nearly 4,000 times as of uh, this taping. So, um, you know, again, our our love to Trenton. All time. I know that he has uh, been through the chemo uh, process throughout the week, which was not going to be easy. But his dad did tell us uh, via CaringBridge that he was eating better and stuff like that leading into this. So he may have rebuilt some strength with what he was going to be facing this week. We'll try to keep everybody updated. Uh, you know, if I if I could give a Glardi Trophy to him, I would uh, just yeah. based on what yeah. he's been through. But uh, we'll have to wait on that. Uh, Glardy Trophy awarding coming up in uh, the next week, uh, basically on the Stag Bowl pregame show. Uh, if you missed the announcement, Jaron Rosty, Braxton Plunk, Ethan Greenfield, and Kyle King were the four finalists, and so one of those four will win the Glardy Trophy at that point in time. However, what happens? Talk- uh, hey,
3: wait, mm-hmm. real quick, Frank. So, what mm-hmm. happens? So, there's there's three Ghilardi finalists that are in the final four, and so there's a chance that either one or maybe two of them could be playing in the national championship game. If the winner is actually there in Annapolis, is someone going to bring, roll out that giant trophy and hand it to them either before or after the game? How's that all going to work?
0: We actually asked this question if we could get the physical trophy, and we will not be able to get the physical trophy this year. Uh, if that did uh, happen. And so uh, what happened in 2019 was that ESPN uh, wanted to do a uh, kind of stand-up with Brock Rutter when he won it. Uh, So we uh, did a recording Mm. with Pat Coleman, breaking the news to him uh, in front of the ESPN cameras for them to use on Stag Bowl night the next day. So uh, we've got all kinds of different ideas up our sleeve. You're not going to know what's coming at you. I will, like... We uh, normally uh, try to do now is uh, make sure we have representation where we can of the uh, finalists uh, to make sure that we've got all our bases covered and whatnot. So just stay tuned for next week and you'll see how it plays out officially. JB, um, it is time for your 30,000 foot view of what we saw uh, last week. Let's start there and then we'll take everybody through crunch time and then go to the previews. Hit it.
3: Well, i think what we saw is you know the top 25 voters at d3football.com were generally pretty right when they ranked teams you you know you had the number one team in in the country advance you had the number three team in the country advance to in a bracket that that's pretty much how these tournaments typically should work out you know um and then on the flip side you had number two in the country advance and then we had number 12 who's Sort of a Cinderella story, a you know, party crasher, having beaten some teams ranked ahead of them and having a really storybrook season. And I really think when we look back on it, you know, even if they don't win the national championship, Wartburg is one of the great stories of this uh, Division III 2022 season. Just, you know, a new face on the scene. Those are always great to see. We got that back in 2019 when North Central went all the way and won a national championship. We saw that a few years before when it was. Mary Harden Baylor's team um, or turn to break through so we're seeing it's not just one or two purple powers anymore that it's spreading out it's becoming more competitive we saw that in games all all throughout the season, and hopefully we're going to have a very exciting finish with maybe, you know, an ending that we didn't quite predict. Indeed. Uh- Again, let's uh, go
0: through oh, things. Flying, uh, well, <laughs> don't they know who you are? I mean, seriously.
3: What, what I mean, is like,
0: do I smell or something? Like, what's
3: going on? <laughs> like
0: I didn't like, want to say anything, that. but now that you mentioned it. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. here we go, folks. Uh, let's talk about the games that got played, the four of them, on Saturday. This is crunch time for week 15 of the twenty. 20- yeah, let's try that again. It's crunch time for week 14 of the 2022 Division 3 college football season and that's staying in there. We'll start in the upper left-hand part of the bracket. It's Aurora at Wartburg. And with 631 left in the first quarter, Michael Boland gets an 11 yard touchdown pass from Josh Swanson for Aurora to take a 7-0 lead. That lead would expand to 10-0 early on in the first quarter, actually, right at the end of it. In the second quarter, 1328 left. It's Hunter Clausen, 25 yards. A pass from Niall McLaughlin to make it 10-7. Still Aurora's lead, but Wartburg coming back. 522 left second quarter, this time it's a run by Hunter Claussen a two-yard touchdown run to make it 14-10, Wartburg. In the second quarter, still, 214 left, Wartburg's Parker Rockford gets the 70-yard touchdown off the pick six. It is 21-10 in favor of Wartburg, boy, a big defensive play when they needed it just to fully take momentum back in case they weren't already. We'll go to the third quarter now. 4.15 left. Aurora tries to take things back into their hands as Trey Madsen gets this 23-yard touchdown pass from Josh Swanson to make it 28-17 at this point in the third in favor of Wartburg. But Wartburg would pour it on thanks to that Hunter Clausen. 13.39 left fourth quarter. This 21-yard touchdown run makes it 35-17 Wartburg. Then we'll finish things off as Wartburg gets this touchdown from Hunter Claussen. The run is an 18-yard touchdown run and it's in favor of Wartburg, the final score is 45-17, Wartburg beating Aurora. Hunter Claussen with four touchdowns, three on the ground uh, in this game, 31 rushes, 167 yards, and three rushing touchdowns to be complete there. Josh Swanson, 21 for 37, 182 yards, two passing touchdowns, but three interceptions on the day. Then we'll stay in the left side of the bracket, this time the lower left side, as Mount Union takes on Del DelVal. And already seven to zero, Mount Union, as we go to the second quarter, two minutes into it, Jaden Manley gets a six yard touchdown pass from Braxton Plunk to make it 14 to zero in favor of Mount Union. We'll go across the halftime break now, four minutes into the third quarter, Wayne Ruby Jr., 15 yard touchdown pass from Braxton Plunk to make it 20 to zero in favor of Mount Union. Third quarter, Del DelVal will try to come back here though with 130 left in it. Tamir Barksdale, a 24-yard touchdown pass from Louis Berrios, the fourth makes it 20 to six. Then watch this in the fourth quarter early on, fourth and one—it's fourth and goal from the one, basically—and DeAndre Parker is stopped by Delval, and this would give them the ball back. But later on in the fourth quarter, you can see what happens here as uh, after some punting goes on, Louis Berrios sacked for a safety, and that would pretty much do it. 22 to six in favor of Del, in favor of Mount Union I should say, Braxton Plunk, 19 for 28, 206 yards, two passing touchdowns, Nick Chapman from DelVal, 11 tackles, three for loss, but the defense of Mount Union, five sacks inside, seven tackles for loss. We'll stop there for a second JB and talk about the two uh, games on the left side as they start to form a game for this weekend, yeah. we'll talk about that later, but tell me your insights about those two games.
3: Well, we're going to talk about this more in the tail of the tape. But with the Knights, you have a team that plays excellent rush defense, creates a ton of turnovers, and has a running back in Hunter Clawson that can shorten the game for them offensively, keep a powerful offense off the field, score touchdowns on the ground. Apparently, you can even you know throw one here and there. So, a really complete, balanced team. in the Knights—they're going to be a tough out. Mount Union, kind of what we expected. Uh, they struggled a little bit against this super defense of, of Del Val and. You know, I'll give uh, you know Louis Barrios and, and company credit. They they really have uh, come a long way this season, and I think Del Valle is just a couple of you know, playmakers that can stretch the field a little more away from being you know once again a true national championship contender. They had their moments this year, and they certainly gave Mount Union all they could handle. But the the passing attack with with Plunk and Ruby and company is just a little too explosive. They they let them behind them a couple times. Turnovers, so on and so forth, but still an awesome effort by the Aggies who really acquitted themselves well. And they have their quarterback of the future. And I imagine a lot of those guys will be back and looking to make an even deeper run next year.
0: Well said, Louis Barros is definitely one to uh, watch in the future. Let's go to the right side, the upper right side of the bracket Ithaca at North Central, a game that I attended. Two minutes left first quarter, here's D'Angelo Hardy with a 41-yard pass reception from Luke Lanon for the touchdown. That made it 14-0 North Central. Then literally about 15 minutes later in the second quarter, Ethan Greenfield with an easy four-yard touchdown run. It's 21-0 North Central. But before halftime, Jake Williams for Ithaca after a great kickoff return uh, takes this one in from 11 yards out to make it 21-7. That was our halftime score, still in favor of North Central. Four minutes into the third quarter, There's D'Angelo Hardy again with another 41-yard pass play from Luke Lehnen. It's 28-7 in favor of North Central. And then third quarter, 8.25 left, Luke Lehnen, a 45-yard touchdown run. He is just a speedster when he can get out there. 34-7 in favor of North Central. And finally, it was a hat trick for D'Angelo Hardy. Four minutes later, a two-yard touchdown pass from Luke Lehnen made it 41-7. The final score was North Central 48, Ithaca 7. Landon, 344 total yards, 3 passing, 2 rushing touchdowns. A.J. Wingfield for Ithaca, 12 for 25, 119 yards, 1 passing touchdown, but 2 interceptions. Finally, what ends up being the game of the weekend, really, Bethel at UMHB. The teams were tied at 14 at halftime. We're going to fast forward here because of how frantic the second half was. The third quarter, 10-21 left. Micah Newald, it's a 25-yard touchdown pass from Jaron Roste for Bethel to give them the lead, 21-14. Mary Harden-Baylor would respond with a 23-yard Anthony Avila field goal to make it 21-17, Bethel still leading. Go to the fourth quarter, 49 seconds into it, Joey Kidder, a 9-yard touchdown pass from Roste. They take a 28-17 lead, and people had written off UMHB at this point, but guess who? K.J. Miller, who says, don't write us off ever, gets a 65-yard pass reception from Kyle King, and I'll tell you, it looked like an interception. No, he turns it into a touchdown. 28-23, 28-23, they still trailed as UMHB, but literally 3:20 later. Kenneth Cormier gets a 12-yard touchdown run. He gives the UMHB a 31-28 lead. Then, the next possession, here's an interception of Jaron Rossi by Titus Dunk. To give UMHB the ball back, they take some time off the clock and end things with this Afonso Thomas, 26-yard touchdown run, 38-28 UMHB. What a turnaround in that quarter. Final score, 41-28, Crew. K.J. Miller, 159 total yards and one receiving touchdown, but it was a huge touchdown at that more on that later. Jaron Rosty, 27 for 44, 266 yards, three passing touchdowns, but three interceptions. J.B., on paper, it looked like the best game going into the weekend. In reality, it was the best game of the weekend.
3: Yeah, and although there were certain moments of it where it was kind of sloppy that you had, the turnovers that that kind of happened, you know, play after play after play, when it all came down to it, I was really thinking that the the Crusaders looked, you know, uh, that they were were about to lose this game and, and their season was about to end. And then all of a sudden... Sort of like that meme where the you know the Undertaker just pops up and you know they're back to life. KJ Miller catches the ball, breaks a sixty-five yard run, the most exciting play of the entire weekend, lit a fire under the Crusaders' defense, who were really struggling containing you know that rosty led offense. And it just I mean that's just what the way this team is. Sometimes they just they have a this switch that gets flipped and they score, 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 and all of a sudden a, a, a what was it a um, fourteen or 11-point deficit turns into, you know, 41-28 win. It was amazing. I mean, it was just like, whoa, there they, they're back, you know. And so, um, you know, I'm the king of calling it too early. And I was remember I was texting you and a few of our friends. I'm like, oh I think UMHB might be in big trouble. If they don't get a stop here, then, nope. All they needed was that touchdown pass to KJ Miller, and they were off to the races.
0: Yeah, we were watching on the sideline at North Central. We thought the same, so you weren't alone in that one. Yet there it is—the crew advance, and that is crunch time for Week 14 of the 2022 Division III College Football Season: the quarterfinals.
3: Okay, JB, I got one. I got one little thing I would like to add. I'm sorry. We we, we kind of we kind of skipped over it. I want to say congratulations to the Ithaca College Bombers on an awesome 12 and one season. There's no shame in going out to Naperville and you know hanging not being able to hang around for a long time with you know this this type of program I saw some of the hits their defense was was bringing they definitely earned a lot of respect from that Cardinals offense I'm pretty sure some guys got smacked and uh, you know I think what coach uh, Torper and company have going on there and Ithaca is going to be something that the Liberty League is going to struggle with for a long time but, you know, in D3, when you talk about the difference between the one, two, or three teams in the nation and the rest, there's, there is a big divide there. Ticka has the resources, if they want to put into it, that can bridge that gap. They were that team back in the 80s and early 90s. So the, the blueprints there, you just got to, it's a good learning opportunity for them. And I know a lot of those guys, um, probably including uh, A.J. Wingfield, I hope, I and mean, he's been a real pleasure to watch. But a uh, great season by the Bombers and, well, I'm sure we'll see you again in 23.
0: One thing I want to address now that you brought it up, too. Uh, Terp uh, was a little bit, uh, I, I think, hurt by uh, the fact that, and we didn't necessarily even realize it until it got pointed out by him uh, in the whole situation here, that we probably went three weeks in a row, not probably, we did, uh, interviewing players from the teams they were going to be facing. Dante Villas-Santos in the first round. Uh, we spent the uh, Thanksgiving morning at uh, Springfield on week two, which was not uh, really technically something that was in our control beyond the fact that I needed to be back for Thanksgiving, but we wanted to spend Thanksgiving with it's one closer. of the teams. And it was the closest one that yeah. we had, and so that's why that happened. And then yeah. third round, we, we have learned not to ask for our live show, Teams Traveling, to come on the show because usually the travel arrangements were in the morning for uh, somewhat short distance flights. And so we didn't want to interrupt that. We learned that the hard way uh, with Dante Santos, but we did get him uh, that day uh, live. So we, we, you know, nearly missed a the problem there, but we learned don't do it anymore. And so one of the reasons yeah. I picked the North central game to go to was because Ithaca was in it specifically. We Absolutely. love Ithaca. Yeah. We love coach Turper. I, I feel horrible that it turned into what it did. I, I feel like we could have had this discussion probably, you know, in private uh, instead of it playing out on the sideline a little bit. But, you know, long story short, Terp, we owe you one. We owe your team one. We get it. We want to have you back on as soon as possible. Uh, and so, you know, lick the wounds hey, my kid from the losses. Ithaca.
3: I, could, I, yep. could be a bomber. I could be a bomber dad in, in the fall. We'll see. I'd love to be in the stands. I'll, I'll be decked out in blue and white, Ben. Even though these but guys as, behind me won't like that. But.
0: <laughs> as JB said, though, your team had a tremendous season. All the respect in the world. We gave you as much coverage as we could along the way. Uh, pretty much, I didn't go to uh, to Cordica for the reasons I explained. But we do try to give diversity of coverage, too. And so I, I don't apologize for getting a North Central player on, getting a UMD player on. Um, you know, Springfield, again, was one of those happenstance scenarios, but going to Catholic this season and going to Salisbury, uh, those are things that we try to do to build up more excitement, more knowledge base of who we have throughout Division Three when we can do it. So apologies, great season. Let's talk, uh, you know, with your team during the offseason. I'd love to come down and maybe do an episode at your house some Friday when I got the opportunity to do it uh later on how's that sound you although go. you already have your uh you know ictv uh, folks and whatnot so do you really need me but yeah, those kids we, are
3: good man yeah,
0: yeah exactly but you know we're always happy to give coverage to folks that we appreciate fully and that appreciate us and you and your team have been one of those so again i wanted to address that real quick that said we have some mvps for jb here and uh jb i'll let you take it away
3: yeah, well, big surprise on the offensive choice, right? I mean, I, I can't say enough about K.J. Miller in that play. I mean, that t- it saved the crew's season. It electrified a, a defense that was really struggling to make stops on, and keep that um, Jaron Roste-Royals offense off the field. It just changed the whole game. It could have even changed the whole season because, um, you know, the Crusaders aren't done yet. They They want to defend that title, and guys like – KJ and Brandon Miller and Kyle King are going to have a lot to say uh, in this epic Stag Bowl rematch coming up on Saturday in, in Naperville. Um, speaking of guys from Naperville, I decided you know there weren't any like super you know long punt returns or uh, things like that. But this Tanner Reigns, when I when I looked at his stats, and this is an interesting thing, uh, his average kickoff. Uh, distance in in the game against Ithaca was close to like 57 or 58 yards. Creates a really long field for opposing offenses to get through. He you know was punting the ball really well. I think over 40 yards or close to 40 yards net punt. I mean he's just sending teams back and making their offense have to go way longer than probably. 99% of the teams in Division Three are used to seeing from a kicking perspective. Now I don't know if he has a leg that can nail a 45-yard field goal if he needs to against the Crusaders. We know that um, we, we know the Crusaders kicker, um, you know Vila does, but you know at the same time I was really impressed by Tanner just from a pure you know he did his job about as good as you possibly can, you know making extra points and doing everything else. So he got my special teams MVP. Defensively, no real surprise here. I think um, Pat Coleman uh, gave him his game ball in the Around the Nation podcast. This defensive back, Parker Rochford, um, the, pretty much the, the top of the ball hawk Knights defense at Warburg. He's had some really big interceptions in, in the playoffs, run it back for touchdowns he's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. And I think he's only like a sophomore. Um, so what a what a talent, um, a young talent that the Knights have and something that they can you know keep building around on their defense. But I think we've got some other guys on that defense that we might want to talk about because uh, the, the Knights have got more than Parker Roucher going on, that's for sure. Well, as
0: is our tradition, uh, we do attempt to uh, get all four teams represented uh, in the semifinal round uh, in terms of, Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about why you're losing a finger in a second there. Uh, But we try to get interviews from players from all four teams. Uh, We'll start and we'll explain what happens on the left side uh, with Wartburg. And linebacker Owen Grover, who uh, we learned a lot about. Uh, We really did not know that much about him going into this, I'll be honest. And now, after this interview, it was just great talking to him. What a well-spoken leader he is for that team and uh, i think uh we might have to be hearing from him again uh for Wartburg. no matter what happens uh this weekend you'll find out more right here so, JB, uh, we have Owen Grover joining us from Wartburg, and uh, they're, they're spoiling the party. I mean, I mean, all these powerhouses that are supposed to be in this uh, big game uh, or these big games this weekend, and uh, along comes Wartburg all of a sudden. And, Owen, oh, I guess the first question is, I mean, how does it feel to ruin the party uh, here for all those uh, teams that everybody had written into their brackets? Because I don't think Wartburg was on many brackets in this whole situation.
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it feels good to be in the position where we're at, um, where we're able to compete with these powerhouses and these perennial programs that have obviously been at the top of D3 football for a really long time. Um, So it feels great to be able to know that, you know, this, this small school from Iowa can come out and compete with those guys and win in those big time games and obviously will give us a lot of confidence moving forward.
3: Yeah, I mean, tell us a little about this uh, this little school out in Iowa, because I imagine that you know most of D three football land, sort of Ohio East and and wherever, um, you know, may have not have had you guys on the, on the national radar, but you're certainly making a statement. I mean, what's what is this? Uh, what's Warburg all about? I mean, you guys have been a solid team this whole year, undefeated. Um, we'll get into some more stats in, in a bit, but you tell us a little bit about Warburg in general.
4: Yeah, obviously. Um I think warburg prides ourselves on having a lot of guys from iowa and a lot of these small town community players um you know we also we often call ourselves like a uh blue collar type of football team that you know prides ourselves on team and toughness so a lot of guys that i mean i grew up playing football against hunter Clausen, who's our running back in high school um so guys like that that especially in this northeast part of iowa um so a lot of guys that i've played against and you know guys that just each guy that's willing to come out here and work and the type of football um, that I think is consistent. And obviously, I've seen that Warburg over the years has been able to win a lot of games, but now to be able to kind of jump into that national picture is something that we've really been talking about a lot recently within the last few years. You know, obviously, we want to compete conference championships, um, but we've talked about, especially in this last year, about, you know, what are the changes that we need to make to be able to be a team that can compete on this national level and for national titles and be able to play in these NCAA semifinal games. Um, a big goal of ours coming into this year and obviously in the last few years so to be able to make that jump now is super cool with this with this team from from small town iowa
0: oh and your pathway to this situation against mount union has not exactly been easy we were a little disappointed to see that lacrosse was going to be your first round draw because it really was against or between two teams that we thought could ultimately win that quadrant and ultimately we were right uh, with uh, you guys because you won that quadrant Uh, a little bit of uh, interesting uh, pathway to get there but I mean I remember watching that game in our bracket blitz show 14 to 6 for about forever in that game it felt like the defense is obviously stepping up at the right times although you did allow 10 quick points by Aurora before really stifling that team I mean what is the enormity that the defense feels you with your 96 I think tackles so far this season I mean what what is it about this defense that needs to keep clicking to have a victory against Mount Union and who knows when the whole shebang here in Annapolis
4: yeah I think um defensively the thing that we preach a lot is doing your 111th of the job and we just have 11 guys out there that are all able to do that and And the trust that I have and that each of us has to know that that other guy is going to go out there and do their job and do whatever they can is what allows us to be so successful. I mean, obviously, you've seen our front four that can get incredible pressure and, you know, get quarterbacks super uncomfortable in the pocket allows for those for our linebackers and D-backs to be able to make plays on the back end when when we know that the quarterback's going to be able to make some some throws that he's not comfortable with and trusting that the guys behind me are going to be able to make those plays when they arise. And it obviously just allows us to play super fast. It's a defense that is, you know, physical and fast. And, you know, we can pursue relentlessly on our angles because we know that the guy is going to be doing his job on the other side and we can just fly to the ball and make plays knowing that each, all 11 guys out there can do the same thing. I think that's really what's been able to bring us to where we are right now for sure on our defense.
3: Yeah, and talk about uh, opportunistic. I mean, I-, I saw on your stat sheet, I think 235 career total tackles. But this year is a little different in that you have picked off five interceptions. And overall, as a team, you guys have intercepted 28 passes in 13 games. That's an insane number. Is it, is it because of this um, defensive pressure front or this ball hawking nature that you guys have have developed that has created all of these amazing stats from the turnover perspective
4: i think um one part of that is that was super important was in this offseason we really emphasized um our coverage on the back end and being able to execute well and so we really one thing that was definitely a something that we were focused on in the offseason so i think that's part of it and also part of it, just we always talk about, you know, we don't know who's going to be able to make the play, who it's going to be. But when the opportunity arises, um, we have the guys that we know can make those plays and we trust that they're going to make them. And no matter what part of the ball it is, you know, I've seen defense, you know, when a ball gets thrown up, you know, every time a ball gets thrown over my head, I honestly think like there's a good chance our backs, our safeties are going to go get that thing. You know, just, you know, running to the ball and hoping that, you know, there's a good chance that those guys are going to, that Parker Oxford or Don or any of those, either our corners are going to go up and get that thing. We're going to be taking it back the other way um but also even i mean even we talk about it on our punt block team or our you know any of those teams where you know there's going to be an opportunity for someone to make a play um you know we don't know who it's going to be but we trust that every guy out there will be able to make that play and that's what's super important about our team
0: well i'll tell you something uh your assumptions about those guys getting the ball uh, going overhead is uh, more often right than not apparently with the way things have been going this season Let's talk about what's in front of you, though, because this is not easy. We've talked about teams wilting the first time out against Mount Union. Uh, we saw it against uh, with Utica earlier in the season, and other teams. Del Valle had been uh, away from them for a while and saw it again uh, this past week. Obviously, you're in this to win this, and in some ways, people feel like you're playing with the house money at this point, but I doubt you view it that way. So ultimately, what's in front of you? What have you seen? What do you think you can do against this vaunted offense of Mount Union? We'll worry about the defense uh, you know, and uh, what the offense can do to them for Mortburg uh, later, I guess. But for you, the defense, what can you do with the Mount Union offense?
4: I mean, obviously, got a little bit of a chance so far. Um, to get a quick look at them. And I think obviously that our, our four down front will give them a little bit of trouble, you know, guys that are willing to get physical up there. And we're just going to continue to do what we do week in and week out, try to make teams one dimensional, make them air the ball out. And obviously, they have, I mean, they have some great players. Um, that wide receiver, number six, is, you know, obviously tremendous and has tremendous stats to show for it. And they have a good quarterback and also a lot of good running backs. Um, so obviously, what we, we're going to do, what we, what we always do, try to make teams one dimensional. Um, like we said, stop that run game which our, which our D-line and has done a tremendous job of so far this year Doing what we do and then, you know, make them air it out and do what we can do on the back end to try to make them uncomfortable and keep doing the same thing we've been doing week in and week out. And one thing that we've talked about, and one thing I literally just listened to Jordan Downing talk about in a press conference before this is that, you know, we talk about how every season has a life of its own, Jordan was saying. Um, and in this year it's the 2022 season and coming into the season it doesn't matter what you've done in the years prior it doesn't matter you know how we did in 2017 2016 um, but the 2022 season has a life of its own and up to this point um, we've accomplished just as much as Mount Union has in the 2022 season we're both 13 now coming off conference titles um, and obviously beaten good teams to be able to get here so I think that we Obviously, have all the confidence in the world and in ourselves to be able to do what we continue to do and, you know, just trusting in our process and what we do every week.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've beaten some great teams, um, maybe even better than some of the ones that Mountain Union has faced. But, you know, defensively, when I look at um, both teams, you guys are really great at stopping the run. So is Mountain Union. It feels like this game could be one of those types of, you know the, the lines sort of you know crash. You try to get a run game established. You do some play action, take some shots, those types of things. I mean, from what you've seen on on film so far about the Raiders, I mean, do you guys feel like that stopping the run is the key? Because I mean, Plunk has got a great arm. They've got that great great uh, passing attack. You know, like you said, one dimensional. But I don't know if you want to make make not you just have to pass the ball all the time either. But I guess it's a pick your poison kind of thing maybe.
4: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I mean, they they definitely have the ability to make plays and have guys that are really explosive all over the place. Um, but I think you know, it just sticks down to kind of what I was saying, staying true to our guns and what we do. Um, and I think making you know, obviously, they're a team that throws the ball really well, um, but still tries to still tries to establish a run game. And so being able to stop that, I think, is is definitely going to be key. Like I've said, and then obviously got to be good on the back end and guys that. They have, you know, obviously guys that are really good at making you miss in space and can get explosive. So having a team that will play fast and rally into the football and obviously kind of what we've done throughout the year is eliminate those yards after catch and haven't allowed teams to be explosive on us. And I think that'll be huge, um, especially in the past game, you know, got to rally to the football and make sure that they aren't able to get those extra yards and those hidden yardage that you see them get against other teams. Um, so I think that'll be big for us.
0: Oh, and last couple things here. First off, uh, you know, we never know if senior means senior with no eligibility or senior with eligibility. What's next for you, regardless of what happens uh, in the last two games of this season?
4: Um, Yeah, regardless of what happens, I'll be coming back next year, um, obviously, to keep playing this football game. I mean, I love these guys, and we've been talking about it. Um, You know, every week we're fighting for the life to keep playing with this football family together. And so obviously next year, um, with the opportunity to come back for another year, it's something I'm really excited for.
0: And that thud you heard was a bunch of coaches in your conference just throwing the book at the wall saying, oh, God, here we go again. He's back. Uh, but uh, nonetheless. back, yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I want to give you and JB wants to give you a chance to uh, give any shout outs. I think you are our, one of our first guests from Wartburg in history here uh, because uh, you guys have been silent uh, giants along the way. And uh you know what it's great having you you're well spoken so we look forward to having you again next year that's for sure on our show we uh with those numbers we probably will but uh shout outs to any family friends teammates etc owen grower the floor is yours
4: i mean obviously i um, can't thank coach winner enough for the position that he's put us in and not even that but one thing that's really been special for us this year is the amount of your seniors that came back obviously like i'm planning on next year um, but those guys knew that we had the opportunity to build a special program this year and having those guys um, that were willing to do that and willing to put in the extra year of wear and tear on your body and just like just bought in in the off season and really those guys really brought this program to where it is and and gave us the opportunity to have this super special season so i mean i couldn't thank those guys enough and you know i think that's about all i got but i mean there's so many people i could thank for for everything that's been you know awesome this year. i mean our entire coaching staff is. Terrific, you know. There's no egos. They always say, you know, these guys that want what's best for us and love us and are willing to do whatever they can to make us, you know, successful on the football field, but also into the best men that we can be and you know, in a family as well. A lot of group guys that really
0: love each other. JB, that was Owen Grover uh, from Wartburg and uh, let's let's uh, bring on uh, nobody from Mount Union. Um, so here's what happens, folks. um Whoops. <laughs> the second time this has happened in three tries uh with them over the uh, last uh four or five years and um unfortunately uh they refused our request Uh, this goes back i think to something that happened a few years back or five years ago Mm. uh with d'angelo fulford we get it okay uh i am not sure why it's still going on and we had sort of patched things up with lenny uh while he was alive lenny reich who passed away uh this year Mm. uh but one of the enduring images and memories we talked about on this show was the rebuild, the knowledge that we were trying to do the right things generally by student athletes that we cover and everything else. And that's what Lenny recognized. So, um, actually, uh, the day after this airs uh, on Friday, I, I do have a call with uh, the AD over at uh, Mount Union and it would like to just discuss the future. Uh, you know, we may be seeing them in Stag Bowl, we may not be, but it doesn't matter one way or the other. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we're able to provide coverage for their student athletes. That's what we are about here at the end of the day. And we're hoping that we can resume that, and I will leave it at that at this point in time. Hopefully adults uh, We had adults a great conversation
3: here. with Braxton Plunk. Yeah, we had a great conversation with Braxton Plunk when when Lenny was able to make that happen. We I think we had him in sort of the, the spring season, and he was a great uh, guest. We had really hit it off. I mean, he's from uh, just outside Tampa. I'm down here in Florida. We, we connected on a number of different levels. and. And yeah, we would we would really like to get to know more of these Mount Union Raiders players that we you know hear and read so much about. So um, and we'd like to be able to share that with this with this audience. And and you know after 15 seasons, the audience is pretty sizable. So anyway, give us a chance. Um, we will, we promise we won't let you down.
0: I get in trouble from Terper uh, for not having one of his players on. Then we go to Mount Union. We are not allowed to have we a player on. Uh, <laughs> maybe we can't win. I don't
3: know, man. Damned if you do,
2: man.
0: Hey, by the way uh, Turper, uh, I meant to mention earlier a very well deserving uh, region two coach of the year uh, on d3football.com
3: so oh and and uh, that's right well I was confused about that Frank because he also won the region one AFCA coach of the year but I guess their regions are set different than what the NCAA has yes yeah, they are uh, to a certain okay. degree so anyway coach uh, Larson yeah, got region two for the AFCA anyway yep.
0: Yeah. Nonetheless, uh, back to uh, Wartburg <laughs> versus Mount Union. Let's go to the tail of the tape for these two teams, and uh, you know this will be the early game on Saturday. You both thirteen and zero. Uh, they do have a different playoff history. Wartburg is batting five hundred at fourteen and fourteen. Uh, Mount Union one ten and eighteen. Uh, much different there. Offense, uh, Mount Union has the edge by about seventy seven yards. Defense, though. Uh, still an advantage to Mount Union by about 52 yards. Niall McLaughlin, definitely not as prolific in terms of his numbers. 24 uh, r- passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, nine interceptions. Braxton Plunk, 46-3 and 5. But here's the number, the, the very vexing number here for folks. Mount Union with a plus 11 turnover ratio, which is really good, no doubt. But Werper, plus 28?
3: I mean, is that a misprint? No. I I mean, I I double-triple-checked that, and it's kind of amazing. Ironically, the 14 uh, loss is the the highest number of the teams in in the Final Four, but you can see, I mean, Wartburg's had basically about a turnover a game also, and I think it's similar with the other two, but, man, 41 games. I mean, they they had 28 interceptions... And then, yeah, then a bunch of fumble recoveries. It's crazy how many times they force offenses to turn the ball over. It's been a huge part of their success. The other thing that jumps out to me, Frank, on the Wartburg side, look at the balance between the passing and rushing attack—almost dead even right there. Um, defensively, that forty-three point eight rush defense is the best in this in this field. One thing that does, you know, give me a little pause with respect to the Knights is. Now McLaughlin with nine interceptions, that's the most of all the quarterbacks left in in the field. Maybe it's something that they're gonna have to just keep an extra eye on. But otherwise, points for and against, pretty similar. Mount Union, they're the number one pass offense in the nation with over 320 um, pass yards gained. They're the number one, um, I think, scoring offense from a passing touchdowns perspective. They have the best uh, total defense as far as yards allowed that uh, they have the best pass defense in, in, in this Final Four group. But like I said, that 14 number is slightly higher than the rest. Will, can the Knights in this turnover um, ball hawk defense get to Praxton Plunk? We'll have to wait and see.
0: Indeed. Uh, we'll predict it in a little bit uh, with along with the other game, although we'll do it a little slower, no lightning uh, this go-around. We'll uh, talk it out a little bit, see where we land on it. Let's yep. go to the right side of the uh, bracket now. And uh, first up uh, from the upper right side uh, is Sam Taviani uh, from a uh, defensive back, I should say, from North Central. And actually, I should say maybe not defensive back per se. You you give me the Linebacker. whole breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> let's go to the interview and you'll hear
3: how that played out. Well, hey, Sam, uh, thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon. And to start off, I wanted to clarify a little something here. So, you started your career as a corner, but I also saw in your bio that you played outside linebacker uh, last season. Now you're listed as a defensive back, but a defensive back could be a corner, a safety, a strong safety. Maybe you're a, a you know a will weak outside linebacker. What what position do you play out there? Are you just a jack of all trades and you you just go out there and do whatever the coaches tell you?
2: Yeah. So uh, this year and last year I play on uh, nickel linebacker. It's like a It's a hybrid between safety and linebacker, but it's more of a linebacker rather than DB. And then, yeah, my freshman year, I came in as a corner. But then my sophomore year, they made the transition over the linebacker.
0: Sam, we can't, I guess, overstate how... Interestingly, this game plays out coming up this week uh, against Mary Harden-Baylor. I, I, we know what happened in the Stag Bowl last year. I was there front and center. We've talked a lot about the team staying out there watching Mary Harden-Baylor get the accolades and everything, well beyond what we normally see out there. But one thing that hasn't changed about them, maybe they're not winning as pretty as uh, they should be uh, like against Bethel last week, but their receiving core, which you're going to have to face uh, down quite a bit this game, is still pretty darn strong. And the names, uh, what we've got KJ Miller uh, is still out there. Uh, You know, Brandon's still out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, among others, this is not gonna be an easy job. What did you learn from the Stag Bowl that may help you guys get this thing into the win column for North Central at home this weekend?
2: Uh, Yeah, so from the Stag Bowl, I think we just learned that well, first of all, our coaches are coming up with a fantastic game plan this week, and they're going to be putting us in the right spots uh, for this week. So they're going to do everything they can to put us in the right positions to succeed this weekend. And then from the player's point of view, I think we just need to keep doing what we've been doing, playing our game that we've been playing this whole postseason and this whole season, because we've had an unbelievable season so far as a defense, and we just need to keep doing that. and play our game on Saturday. and It's not going to take any miracles. We just have to keep doing what we've been doing.
3: Well, yeah, and a part of this show or this segment, we'll be talking a little bit about sort of the tail of the tape. And you guys have the best scoring defense out of the remaining Final Four teams, only allowing five points per game. It's less than a touchdown. Is that is that something that you guys have really sort of carried as a chip on your shoulder this year, that, that you're really aren't gonna give up any points if you can avoid it
2: uh, we don't we try not to put too much pressure on ourselves from week to week because I don't we just want to play our game and if we care too much about the stats then that could affect the way we perform on Saturday so we just try to go out there every week execute the game plan that the coaches create and try not to look too far ahead or try not to focus too much on the accolades but that five points per game is pretty amazing for this
0: season. Sam, I got my first uh, experience of what your home field advantage really is, means, feels like, etc. cetera, uh, this past Saturday. On a cold day, uh, I was treated as warmly as anybody could be, and that's not unusual for people that go to uh, watch North Central game. Uh, the families are incredible. You guys have the longest win streak uh, for home win streak in all divisions of NCAA at 21 games right now. explain in your words what home field advantage really means ultimately and why this is such a juggernaut in Naperville for
2: you guys. Yeah, um, this weekend, me being a fifth-year senior, it's going to be my last home game at Benedetti Worley Stadium. So that right there just means a lot to me and all the other fifth-year seniors that came back this year. Um, I just Love that field. It's been a part of me for the last five years. Um, And then obviously I love being home so I could sleep in my own bed and, you know, do everything that I like to do on a normal home game week. So it definitely is a huge plus for this week to be at home.
3: I bet. And I imagine, although in certain ways, I'm guessing the practices from a physicality standpoint have maybe ratcheted down as you get further into the playoffs and whatnot. But, you know, you've been going up against this offense of yours for, like you said, this is your sort of fifth year. And um, I guess I've just been really curious on a scale of one to ten, especially on a Saturday day like what we're going to have this weekend when it's probably 20, 30 something degrees. How hard or how how bad does it hurt when you tackle a guy like Ethan Greenfield? I know you've done it in practice probably a bunch of times. What is what is the pain scale there on that, especially on a cold Chicago land day?
2: <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's a load to bring down for sure. Um, other teams definitely know that too. He's a very physical running back, but I think that makes our whole defense just better because we know in practice that we're going up against the best one of the best, if not the best, offense in the country. So that's going to make our whole team better. That makes our defense better. So on Saturday, we've seen that speed that we're going to see on game day in practice all week. So it just makes our jobs a lot easier and it makes the preparation a lot better too.
0: i got a, a question though. that I don't know if, uh, how uh, you know well it will be answered, uh, but I'm just going to shoot for it here. Is Mary Harn and Baylor the best team uh, that you guys have faced yet this season and I asked this for a couple of reasons one a lot of people kind of pick on your regular season schedule uh, saying that well besides the Wheaton game we don't get many tests to judge you by ultimately on the field and Ithaca you know tried to bring their game on Saturday but obviously it was just a different world it felt like out there uh, in that game Carnegie Mellon they were pretty good against you guys for a little while there and then finally distance uh, pulled apart. Is Mary Harden-Baylor, from what you can tell, the best game, the best team you will have played uh, up to this point after Saturday? And what makes you say yes or no to that?
2: Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be the best offense that we have faced all season. You know, they have multiple threats on offense, really good athletes, and they do good stuff uh, overall scheme-wise. So I think it's going to be our biggest test this season. But like I said earlier, we just got to play our game and execute the game plan that the coaches put in place because they're going to work tirelessly this week to put us in the right positions to succeed. Tell us a little bit
3: about the maturation of your offensive uh, leader Luke Lennon because you know we, we teased him last year about you know maybe needing to put on a little weight in the offseason and then we saw him in the preseason he was looking pretty buff. he'd you know packed on some some muscle pounds there. but you know you had won a national championship with with Brock Rudder leading the team a couple of years ago. They're very different types of quarterbacks, but Luke has now had geez I don't know um, what, it's like close to 30 games under his belt now. How has he progressed, and, and, and what do you think um, you know, about him as your offensive leader?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that has changed with Luke is just the experience that he's had over the past couple of years. You know, he's been in those tough situations and games. He's played in these big games. So I think that's just developed him as a leader this year, and he's a lot more comfortable in stressful situations. And he's a guy that anybody can go to to talk to. He knows the offense inside and out. So, you know, he's easy to talk to, easy to go to. And he's really good about bringing the guys up on the offensive side of the ball. And even on the defensive side of the ball, he's always cheering us on and helping us out whenever he can. So I think this year he's really progressed into a big leader. And just that experience level that he has is a lot better than the past couple years. Sam, we've had,
0: uh, you know, over the years, only a few teams we could call really the dynasties of Division Three football, okay? When I first started out on the Stag Bowl sidelines, it was always Mount Union and Whitewater, and that was it. Rowan tried before that. Uh, Mary Harden-Baylor has maybe joined the ranks to a certain degree, but now North Central is a name that is in everybody's vernacular when it comes down to it. And you and your class, essentially, were the folks that started that up. Uh, that made this the winning tradition it is Uh, you know coach went by by the wayside Uh, he has uh, some other pastures to go to apparently uh, and uh, but you guys have stayed the course and made this happen again this season what do you look to leave as your legacy with respect to north central football is this a dynasty worthy program based on what you guys have done
2: Uh, Yes, I would say so. We completely turned this program around in 2019. Uh, That second round of the playoff game against Mount Union, that was a huge turning point for this program. I feel like and just this team overall, and I think ever since then, our standard for the playoffs and winning championships and all that has significantly increased. And so the new standard is just we want to make it far into the playoffs and we want to win a, win a national championship every year. That's the goal now every year. It doesn't matter who's on the field. doesn't matter who we're playing. That's just a new standard of more central college football.
3: Yeah, clearly. Um, and you're not too far from home, having uh, grown up in, in Downers Grove, uh, which is, I think, just down the ro- up the road, actually. Are, uh, from from Naperville, but like you said, this is going to be your last home game as a as a sort of fifth-year super senior. What are your plans for um, for after football? Is this is this a game that you may want to stay in and, and maybe you know try some of these new uh, professional leagues out there, or maybe coach, or are you just going to do what your degree says you're going to do and get a job like the like the rest of us you know guys out here? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so uh, as of now, I got a degree in accounting. So as of now, I have a job lined up in January for accounting. Um, but then later on, I don't, I'm not sure yet what I want to do. I may want to get into coaching, but we'll see. I'm just trying to focus on this semifinal game and then the next week, of course. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll see where this goes here. Uh, Sam, a uh, great guest, uh, as are all the uh, North Central guys. And thanks to Clark for always putting together... Uh, great interviews for us, but before you go, our tradition, shout-outs to any friends, family, teammates, etc. that might be watching. Sam Taviani, the floor is yours.
2: Uh, yeah, I want to shout-out, well, first of all, Coach Martin, who's my Nichols uh, linebacker coach, I'll shout him out. He's awesome. He does everything for me. I want to shout-out the entire coaching staff at North Central. They've really developed me into the person that I am today. And then all my Friends, family, teammates, especially the fifth-year guys this year, you know, Ethan Greenfield, Gilroy, Brandon Greifelt, Tyler Rich, Jake Johnson, uh, Will Eber, Alec Wolf, every single one of them, Terrence Hill, all of them, I love them. And we all have the same goal this year to uh, win a national championship. So Sam Taviani is going to be
0: affiliated with somebody uh, out there, be it Brandon Jordan or K.J. Miller or somebody else, obviously, or maybe both, who knows. But we have from Mary Harden Baylor, K.J. Miller, who is the turnaround specialist for the Bethel game. And we talk about the fact that this is a Stag Bowl rematch and. You know, as we talked to Sam about, you know, things they learned there, I think K.J. and company really learned that North Central will be no pushover in this game, and here we go.
3: With us, we have senior wide receiver from Mary Harden Baylor, K.J. Miller, who I named my quarterfinals offensive MVP because he took a 65-yard pass in the flat all the way to the house, lit a fire under his team, which... To be honest, K.J., I was I, you guys didn't look like the usual crew. The defense was struggling. The offense was having some challenges here and there. But you made that really season-saving play. Walk us through, you know, how did that all transpire, and and how do you
5: think it really fired your team up to, to go on and win the game? Um, well, I mean, I just trusted in the process, and we, I kind of kept the team composed, and it was just one of those plays that just – sparked everybody because we needed it at the moment so it was very big so um that's what we needed
0: yeah indeed it was uh now you know kj one of the things that struck me from when i talked to kyle uh the previous week when i went down to see the trinity game that you guys had won was say he didn't really have much idea about bethel and then we talked to him on the friday show briefly where he said oh i got a better idea about bethel but Did not having much knowledge about that team and Jaron Rosty and uh, all the rest, did that have some effect on your ability to get started up and revved up the way that you kind of have been doing in playoff football the last couple of uh, times we've seen you go through uh, for a Stag Bowl championship? What what happened here that made this game
5: increasingly tough until that fourth quarter? Um, Like you say, um, we wasn't pretty, you know, we haven't played them before, so we didn't know, you know, too much about them, but they, they was a good team, well coachable. So, you know, it, t- it took us a while to get going, you know, so it was it was it was competitive, though. So it wasn't like it was just going to be a walk in the park. So, you know, hats off to those guys and coaches over there. So they've done a good job. So KJ, you guys are now in uh, sort of a role
3: reversal of not, you're the defending champions, and yet somehow you guys are on the quote unquote underdog um, role mm-hmm. here as the as the road team going up to the Chicago land area to play North Central, who's been ranked number one, you guys are ranked number three. But something tells me, uh, especially having followed your entire career, uh, KJ, you know a little something about being the underdog and, and surprising people um, with what you can do and what your team can do. So tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about is there is is there some of that mentality going on this week as you guys prepare for this Stag Bowl rematch?
5: Oh yes, sir, most definitely. You know every year, no matter we number one or whatever, we always the underdog. So you know it's a good mentality, you know, for the team to be an underdog. So it can light a fire, you know, when we step out on the field.
0: But here, here's an interesting stat that we saw this morning. We're getting thrown all kinds of stats and information. First off, congratulations on your accolades and the all-region team. But one thing we saw today was that North Central was or has the longest home winning streak of any team in NCAA football, any division, right now, twenty-one games. Obviously, it's a tough place to go in and play. Uh, you played them in neutral site last time. It's going to be cold as heck uh, up there. Uh, you know, probably forty if you're lucky uh, up in Naperville. I mean, this doesn't bode well for a team from the south, and you know, that's used to, uh, let's say, having that home win streak themselves and everything else. Kind of prepare us here, or tell us how you're preparing for the atmosphere you guys are going to be facing in Naperville.
5: Um. So, do, throughout the playoffs, we didn't play in pretty much cold games. So, you know, I mean, we signed up to play football, so you got to adapt to the environment. So we pretty much, it's not even a distraction to us. We're just going to go up there and play football. Yeah, and
3: you guys have played in plenty of these big games, uh, Stag Bowls, National Semifinals. This is not new territory um, for um for your program at all but i guess um you know kj when when kind of looking back i mean you guys have played in i don't know 33 games over the last uh you know year and a half it's been a lot of a lot of a lot of action lots of ups and downs but it always seems that when you guys really need a big play you come up with that does that give you that sort of extra confidence that no matter where you are in 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 the fourth quarter, that you guys have that ability to flip the switch like you did in the Stag Bowl last year, like you did against Bethel in the fourth quarter last weekend, is that sort of your your sort of the trick up the sleeve that you can never sleep on the Crusaders?
5: Oh uh, yes, sir, most definitely. Um, because it's more than just you know me that can make plays. You know we have a bunch of playmakers on the team, so I think that's what make us special. So you know that's a big plus on us.
0: KJ, I was uh, getting ready uh, the Gallardi Trophy uh, finalist show, and we'll see. Uh, we're doing this before it, so I can't uh, say anything one way or the other about uh, Kyle King, who's nominee. me. But one of the clips that I uh, got to take out for the intro, uh, the music video we do, was that that leaping grab you had versus Harden Simmons. And people talk about two things about your gameplay. Your speed, obviously, but your versatility down the field to get to completions. You're not the tallest guy in the field. We all know that, but you, you play like you are, that's for sure. What's next for you? Because you have the attributes for what could be next for a guy like you. If you were in Division One, there'd be no doubt that there'd be something ready for you and waiting for you. You're in Division Three, but you're getting looks. We know that. What is next for you?
5: Um, hopefully to go play at the next level, you know, I'm just going to trust in God and see what he has for me in the future. So that's my plans. And I'm just going to keep praying until, you know, something happens. Are there teams coming to see you and uh, people talking to you about that
0: possibility, though? Are we, are we at least knowing that there is interest out there in
5: K.J. Miller? Um, yes, sir, most definitely. You know, it, it has been interest throughout the weeks. So, you know, it's possible okay, so JB
0: I, I've got I gotta take this question on head on. KJ, you know it's coming okay every interview we've done, we talk about Frank isn't a believer. Frank is having trouble believing right now because let's face it, you haven't been playing four quarters of football all the time this season. Mm-hmm. You've had to rely on some, not necessarily luck, but let's say good fortune at the end of games. You're part of that good fortune, obviously. Let's uh, look at what happened last week and other times this season. Why should I, well, you may not want me to, I guess, but why should I pick uh, Mary Harden-Baylor to beat North Central in this semifinal game? What What can you tell me about what you guys have learned? in the season in those close games or those games where you didn't fire early, but you did fire late enough to win?
5: Um, then we have a lot of fight in us, you know, we're going to fight until the end, you know, even if we don't play good, you know, we're the underdogs, man. we going to always come up on top. Well, well, they're they're still the they're still the defending national champs
3: until we see you know when the clock hits zero on Saturday they they may still be we'll have to we'll have to wait and see it should be a really exciting matchup between two of the best teams in the country um, KJ you you kind of know our deal um, I think the crew knows our deal after all these years and getting to know everyone there but we always like to invite our student athlete guests like yourself and. First off, mm-hmm. good luck Saturday. Good luck on what comes Appreciate up in the, in the postseason. I'm sure we'll be keeping tabs on that and talking with you along the way. But we'd like to give you the opportunity to give any shout-outs to friends, family, teammates, former and current, or what have you. The floor is yours, KJ Miller.
5: Um, you know, first I want to give a shout-out to God, the next, you know, my family, anybody that's supporting me, and most importantly, my team also, and my coaches.
0: Thanks to all the SIDs who helped us get the three interviews together uh, in this uh, show. And JB, let's go back to the tail of the tape at this point. Uh, And again, this will be the Mm -hmm. late game, 3.30 Eastern time, 2.30 Central uh, on ESPN Plus. Uh, The records, 12-1 for UMHB. Don't forget that Wisconsin Whitewater loss uh, their second game of the season, North Central 13-0. Offensively, 560 yards of offense for North Central on average to 474 for Mary Harden Baylor. Defensively, 100 yards different, 197 to 293. Mm -hmm. Kyle King, 39 passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, five interceptions, so 40 total touchdowns. Luke Lehnen, 31, 13, and 6, so 44 total touchdowns. And the turnover ratio or margin, plus 24 for North Central, which is definitely above, plus 15 for UMHB. Uh, even the scoring differential, 49 and a half points uh, on the plus side versus 28.7 yeah. points on the UMHB side. Uh, that that's really a decisive difference on that listing. Now the question you have to answer when you're talking about this matchup or North Central generally, and I asked Sam this question essentially is with their schedule being somewhat weak at times from a lot of people's perspectives do those numbers lie at all they don't lie completely obviously they played some really good teams along yeah. the way but what, what are we learning here or what do we what can we gain from this perspective of this tale of the tape about these teams i guess is the question knowing what we know about their scheduling
3: Well, yeah, and I think, well, I'll start off with North Central. I mean, they have the number one rushing offense, total offense, scoring offense, and defense. Um, They have made a huge improvement in turnover margin. Last year, this number was not anywhere close to 20. It was in the low teens. They have really done a tremendous job defensively in creating more turnover situations, which has helped their offense. Last season... Their passing attack was above 200. Now they're pushing almost 370 rush yards a game. This is definitely an Ethan Greenfield and Luke Lennon rushing attack-focused offense. So irrespective of whether or not these stats are padded by playing weaker opponents, you can expect power runs. You can expect RPO. They're not going to change that much from their their game plan. And so on the flip side, when you look at UMHB, they are uh, allowing more than a touchdown a a game than they were at this point last season. Their defense has allowed more passing yards than any other team in this field. Over 200 is the only um, you know, is the only thing above 200 in, in the passing yard defensive category with these squads. But then again, I think you know UMHB has played Whitewater. They played Hardin-Simmons. They played um, Bethel. They've played some of the, the best offenses in the top 10. And so I think you have to give them a little bit of a of a break there because they have gone up against some of the biggest behemoths. But the the passing situation, you know, is a a little concerning, but at the same time, you know, North Central is going to lean to the run first. Whether or not they can get Hardy open and create some mismatches remains to be seen. Another thing that stood out to me, Frank, was last year Kyle King had 11 rushing touchdowns at this point in the season, only one this year. He's apparently, you know, not running, you know, calling his own number as much, but he still throws the ball really well. Um, hardly has any interceptions at this point, uh, same, pretty similar to Luke Lennon. But Lennon's more of a running quarterback. Kyle's more of a, a traditional drop-back passer. Um, it's going to be a, a, you know, a great matchup. The, the biggest question mark that I always have with this Crusaders team is, is that f- switch going to get flipped? And all of a sudden, you're going to see a, a slightly different offense than what you see early on in games where they kind of struggle a little, but this defense is going to have to be able to get off the field better than they did against Bethel to hang around there, because the Cardinals will pound and pound and pound uh, as long as they can. And and their best defense is to keep Kyle King and Brandon Jordan and KJ Miller on the sideline.
0: That's that's a huge thing right there. Time of possession uh, could make a big difference. Uh, the number of plays run by uh, Ithaca on Saturday was 42, if uh, memory serves, with only. Uh, I think 17 minutes of possession time, give or take. And lot. so, no, no, not at all. And that's what they ran into, Mary Harren Baylor versus Wisconsin Whitewater. They only ran, I believe, what, 50 plays from offense, give or take uh, in that game, and that was one of the yeah. defining things. And Gotta four of work. those plays were goal-to-go situations uh, where they could have put the game away and weren't able to do so. So, I mean, you look at the way this can play out if you can keep the ball away from Mary Harden Baylor so they can't do anything but you know watch a close game develop in front of them you might be able to win this game on the flip side Mary Harden Baylor can just you know shoot out down the field I actually like Mary Harden Baylor in a shootout uh, type of scenario if it comes down to it because I think they just have more experience at the key positions on offense right now to keep it going in that respect now that that's been said, let's pick these games. We'll start with the Mount Union-Wartburg game, and I'll let you go first.
3: Yeah, I've been really kind of struggling with this one because Mount Union is Mount Union. And, you know, you look at their playoff record, they've won over 100 games out of 120, 30-something. I mean, they, that's what they do. And Wartburg's uh, the new kid. And every time a team plays Mount Union for the first time, they never really look so great. But this Wartburg team seems more battle-tested to me. They've faced La Crosse. They have faced St. John's. They have stared into the eyes of some of the the best programs in in D3 and just been like, "Eh, no worries, we got this. I'm going to go with the Knights in an upset. Uh, I have a feeling that their path and their schedule and just sort of the momentum that they're riding on, the fact that this defense is so opportunistic, um, they'll probably throw some looks at Plunk that he has not seen. and. Who knows? Maybe something crazy will happen. I think it's going to be kind of like these hopkins Muhlenberg games that you've seen in person, Frank. It's going to be close, lower scoring, like a 28-24, the score of the year. But I'm going to take the Knights. I think they're going to surprise – they're going to shock the nation um, with a with a w- win and a trip to the Stag Bowl in this crazy 22 season.
0: What I'm feeling like in this game is that, honestly, the baldwin Wallace game was necessary to – wake up mount union i mean that game should not have developed the way it did they almost had to wish for a pull seat bid or risk even not making the playoffs if they lost that game that's the oddity of everything that could have happened here and so they're not playing with house money per se but they are definitely playing with a wake-up call that they needed and if that had not happened i would have actually agree with you in this game and say that I would pick Wartburg, I mean, if, uh, you know, suggested even even DelVal could have done something to them yeah. last week. That did not happen, or well, what happened was we, we had that Baldwin-Wallace game, and so I think with all their offensive weapons and their defense playing very good ball right now, that Mount Union wins this game. It'll be somewhat close for a little while, but I believe they pull away at the end to the tune of 27 to 14 in favor of Mount Union okay let's go to the other side of bracket I guess yep. I go first here uh, it is North Central hosting Mary Harden Baylor and we, we talked about it in our interviews the all-division current winning streak uh, or longest winning streak of 21 games at home for North Central right now that is not an accident I got a little flavor for why it's happened when I was out there last weekend I, I just think And this question came firing at us a couple different ways, a couple of different people. Frank, you've seen both teams in person this year. Now, what do you think? And I've known my answer for a while. You and I talked about it, but I wanted to wait for the show to kind of say it out loud. And the answer is, honestly, right now, in terms of total package on all three facets of the game, I give the advantage to North Central. They're just playing better overall defense, consistent defense, that's true in every game, including the Carnegie Mellon game. The, the real asterisk that came from the Carnegie Mellon game was somehow their offense got shut down for a little while, and can the UMHB defense do the same thing? I don't know. I don't know which one's going to show up, to be honest with you. I don't know if the one that really shut down Trinity for most of the game is going to be out here, and then finally, you know, Trinity in the fourth quarter started powering back. Or if the one that we've seen versus Whitewater, et cetera, that's given up 300 yards a game in certain cases, and almost on average now, according to the uh, Taylor Tate, is going to be out there. I picked Mary Hardin Baylor to win the Stag Bowl last year, though people don't seem to remember it. They think that I picked North Central. I did not. I picked Mary Hart and Baylor because I thought they were the team that actually had the better three facets of the that's game right. scenario. This year, I believe it's North Central right now, and I'm going to give them the win to the tune of 31-20, to 20, in Naperville. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I think I was actually the one who picked North Central to, to beat Mary Hart and Baylor in the Stag Bowl. And I was way off, at least. I thought it was right in the first half. Second half, not so much, but that is true. You did pick uh, UMHB as a good, good reminder. And this year I'm kind of torn because, I mean, last year I, I really thought that NCC was the de facto team. They had similar statistics of this. They were steamrolling everybody winning by 50-something points a game. I was like, there's no way that this uh, Crusaders defense will be able to keep them in check. And ultimately, it wasn't even the defense, it was the, the way the offense just exploded and so I guess since I have this big pick lead, um, I can do whatever I want. It's not going to affect you know thing. Maybe I'll go 0-2, but I'm going to go for, I'm going to stick with the underdogs. I think my, my head says that NCC will probably win the game, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that you can't count out the defending champs just because of their, they have this ability to flip a switch. And, and should something happen in that game where the tide starts to turn like it did in the stag bowl, it'd be interesting to see, can the Cardinals, you know, push out that, those fears of like, oh my God, here we go again. I know Dan Gilroy and that defensive line are gonna be a very difficult, like almost like pounding yourself against a wall for three or four quarters. But until someone takes down, you know, Kyle King's offense, I I just feel like they they can somehow turn the corner. And I'll say, I think this is gonna be that shootout you talked about, Frank. And uh, I'll go 45 to 42. Wow,
0: that's the kind of game that uh, they won against Mount Union, uh, what, three years ago, Brock Rutter and company, that type Mm -hmm. of scoring uh, at Mount Union. I just, I don't know if it develops into that, to be honest with you. I I just think they pull away late in a game that's not a shootout, per se.
3: Yeah, usually at this stage, the games are more defensive battles than anything. It would be fun to see a shootout, but who knows?
0: Well, we'll be seeing it at 3.30 Eastern time, 2.30 Central, for sure. Next week, I'll be in Annapolis. Uh, JB and I will have a show uh, kind of previewing the Stag Bowl, whoever is in it, and so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Uh, and uh, a lot of things to come here uh, between us and, Div- uh, and d3football.com, I should say. So, you know, stay tuned for all that. Uh, it's been a fun season thus far. Again, we know we lose people along the way as teams get eliminated, but stay tuned. It will keep you up to date on what's going on. Have a fun weekend. Enjoy the semifinals. Be safe out there. We'll catch you next week, folks.